0: hello everybody welcome to the roadie on the horn podcast sponsored once again by the hope the check was will appear on the podcast at some point my name is donovan and as per usual co-host and all around good guy who lives in iowa ryan is here with me
1: how's everybody doing today Obviously, you can't answer that directly, but you know, I'm doing well. So there you go, Donnie. I'll, I'll give you the response.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. If anybody in the that's listening right now wants to respond, feel free to tweet at us at Donnie on the Horn at Rokalay23 at Roth Podcast and just tell us how you're doing. Honestly, like we know things are tough right now um, with how everything is. So feel free to send us just, literally just say, I'm doing well, and, and I'll like it and retweet it and I'll be happy. Um, But we have some some sports news to talk about, not a whole lot, uh, but we do have maybe one of the best documentaries of all time uh, in terms of sports to discuss, obviously, The Last Dance. Uh, I think uh, at first they were more selling it about the Bulls dynasty and how they fell apart, but I think it became more of a Michael Jordan documentary. And honestly, I'm not too upset with that. Um, I think the majority of people feel the same way and they feel like it, it's something that may change the, the world of sports f- forever, maybe in terms of what, what they get in terms of like filming uh, or following around certain um uh, uh, bigger, larger than life athletes, to so to say. Um, How did you feel like the last dance went from one to 10 and how do you feel like it ended up finishing off?
1: Yeah, I, I think you really nailed it there, Donnie. I think Honestly, my impressions were, were very high of the documentary. I mean, obviously you have to take into context the the situation at hand, so maybe it gets hyped up a little bit, but no, I thought it was really well done. I think, um, as you mentioned, like the behind-the-scenes content that they were able to provide us because that documentary crew was following out the Bulls for that entire 97, 98 season. I mean, it was just so cool to see. Um, I know a, a few things that just stand out for for me with, with seeing the behind-the-scenes content would be seeing MJ and Scottie Pippen when they were laying down on the tables after a game and Scottie Pippen was like drinking a beer and getting mad that they were filming him drinking a beer but I think really that just gives fans a better insight into like what goes on with these athletes like they're regular people too you know they're they're still they're they're grinding throughout their day doing their job and then at the end of the day they're just kind of relaxing so it is pretty cool to see that access so um, if that does mean that we're going to get more options for for how teams are going to be covered and um and maybe the athletes wouldn't want that as much to see like every aspect that they do be documented but um for from a fan's perspective i mean it's really really great content and awesome to see so um i really enjoyed it from that perspective so i mean yeah overall that was just my thoughts like being able to see that behind the scenes content was so interesting was there like any of the behind the scenes stuff for you donnie that that stuck out
0: you know, it's like everybody knew that Dennis Rodman was, was insane, but nobody knew how actually insane he was until they started showing and talking about him. Like, he basically had uh, chunks uh, of uh, different episodes dedicated to him and his antics and how just, just batshit crazy he is as a human being. Yet, you know, it's like I kind of resonate with his thought of, like, sometimes you just need to get away from things and just, just send it and do whatever you want, honestly. Like, you need to get away and just have a good time. And, I mean, I think... That's one of the more underrated aspects of this—the uh, whole ten-part uh, docu series here—is the fact that it looks into more than just Jordan, while linking back to Jordan. It's because obviously Dennis Rodman, super, super, super important to the whole dynasty in general. Um, he is—they uh, may maybe they don't win nearly as much or at all without him. Uh, being there to basically be the glue guy and do everything that he had to do that others couldn't do. Um and I just think looking into him and you know the Carmen Electra bits and then all all the different random interviews where he's just sitting there talking about, man, I just I, I didn't want to be there, but at the same time I really wanted to be there. Like I, I always wanted to be there, but I didn't necessarily want to be like there in person. Um and I, I respect that. I also really I enjoyed the deeper look into Scottie Pippen because, you know, he's, he's kind of not the nicest guy in the world. And I think that may have shocked a couple people, maybe not everybody, but Scottie Pippen uh, is, is definitely, he definitely had some uh, some scenes where he stole the show, for example, you know, it's like, I think you would even agree on that. It's like Scottie Pippen became a little bit larger than life in a couple of different scenarios there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I really didn't know a ton about Scottie Pippen, I guess. I mean, I wasn't, like alive I was born in 99 so I wasn't like alive for any of this to to see the Bulls like championships unfold so I've really only been able to hear stuff that happens and obviously so much of it is Jordan 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 I really just kind of assumed Scotty was just kind of like a quiet guy that just followed MJ and he pretty much was for the time when Jordan was there but yeah as you said those two years when they covered the Bulls when Jordan went to go play baseball and Scottie Pippen decides in at the end of a game situation, Phil Jackson draws up a play for Tony Kuchok. So Scotty Pippen says, you know what? I'm not even going to go out there. So he decides to stay on the bench. Like obviously that was a very self-centered move and um, was, was really interesting. That wasn't something that I had known before um, about Scottie Pippen. So um, that was really interesting just to see a, another superstar from that perspective. But honestly, one thing that I wish the documentary did a little bit more of was I felt like, Obviously, the purpose of it was to cover that last season, the the '98 season for the Bulls, but they didn't really talk about anything after that. Like we saw nothing with Scotty uh, when he played for the Rockets and the Trailblazers after, or MJ when he came back again and played for the Wizards. Like they didn't even mention that. It's like I thought that was kind of strange. I felt like that was at least worth like mentioning and highlighting because obviously MJ and Scotty were the two highlighted players the most on those bulls championship teams so um that was kind of interesting from from my standpoint and then going back to what you were saying about dennis rodman yeah oh my gosh like i had no idea about his antics leaving the nba finals in the middle of it for wwe and then coming back and having a great game in week three like what or week three game three like what what was like i couldn't imagine that and then how they showed that behind the scenes when he was like running out of the locker room and then sped away in that car away from the united center that was crazy access uh to see that I mean I had no idea about any of that
0: yeah I agree uh there's also even deeper than that it's like I thought one of the most unique parts of the entire documentary is seeing just why Phil Jackson is considered the greatest or one of the greatest coaches in not only the history of basketball but the history of sports in general it's like this guy you generally think of basketball coaches especially as high intensity you know it's like maybe not the best with players because we do seem to run into a lot of players that become larger than life and they get their heads get overblown. It's like, you see now with LeBron, it's like, it's very hard to coach LeBron because he's basically a coach himself. And to see how Phil Jackson dealt with these personalities and led them to not a flawless career, but a very, very, very successful career beyond what anybody could imagine. It's almost magical to see, because, you know, it's like they go into the fact that he's, it he was in the native, in uh, native Americans, um, and you know how he coached it in random leagues in in the middle of um you know central and south america and it's like this guy is he, he himself could have had a documentary on his upbringing and you would have been like totally into it totally fired up because of how just dynamic of of an, an on-screen an on-screen talent he is i think uh, as a Lakers fan, obviously I have a, a a hidden respect for Phil Jackson that will never go away. Uh, I think he's the best of all time, but having having a greater look on his his like early career, his career in the NBA, and then what he did to get to the point where he got to be one of the the most just just incredibly talented, and obviously he's got so many rings. Um, seeing the, the inner look on what Phil Jackson did to get to the point where he was this successful is like almost incredible, honestly.
1: Yeah. It was really cool to to see Phil. I know you mentioned earlier about how the documentary ended and, um, what they ended up doing was Phil Jackson had all the all the members of that 98 team come around and, and share thoughts that they had about the team and um, kind of just put it to bed, um, that team, that season, that run that they had. So um, that was really interesting, the Zen master Phil Jackson, obviously. Um, I agree with you in the fact that you can definitely put him up, up, up there for all-time great coaches, um, especially in basketball, I mean, but all sports regardless. So um, that was pretty cool that they highlighted Phil Jackson. But, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, my overall thoughts about about this last dance was just that it was really well done and um the access that we got was really really good it, it was cool to just see like a personality kind uh side of the team of uh of those bulls teams especially because of how good they were like it was pre- it's pretty crazy to imagine a guy a guy michael jordan the stature wins three straight championships and then he talks about how he was so like mentally worn down and physically beat down so he takes two years off then he takes him, puts himself back up after the strike for baseball and then three more championships rattles him off. So um, it's really just crazy. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that again.
0: No, and I think that's what puts Jordan above everybody else in terms of greatness. It's like we saw him sit out. We saw him leave. We saw him deal with a lot of different things, a lot of ups and downs, uh, which was uh, the documentary was very good in, in talking about. And to still see just basically its dominance, regardless of what you think uh jordan's career uh is like the poster child for dominance in the nba it's like this guy knew exactly what he was doing at all times he knew he was the best player on the court every single game that he played in and he knew if he had to take over the game all he had to do was hear somebody talk talks some smack you know it's like they were going through at one point um they were talking about the team usa practices and you know magic said something to him and then and michael just took over like it was over for them and this is talking about some some of the most talented players in the history of the game it's like you know, it's, like, we're not we're not talking, like, Magic's, like, a, a mediocre talent. He's, like, top 10, top 15 player in the history of the game. And Jordan was just that much better, always that much better. And to see that, it's, like, I think you can almost take an inspiration out of a guy that's, like, m- maybe Jordan was not the most friendly human being. Maybe he was not the best teammate at, at all times. But, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, you have a guy to rely on, and he will, he will come through. He's going to come through. It's Michael Jordan. Like, you know, um... Whether the tough love thing was out, because I know there was a lot of uh, a lot of intensity from him, and sometimes he wasn't the nicest guy. Sometimes he threw shots at different people. You knew when it came down to crunch time, you're gonna have a guy there for you, and his name is Michael Jordan. And I think that's that's the most important part of it all is to learn that like whether or not he was the most you know like calm, cool, collected guy all the time. When it came down to it, you have a guy that will never let you down. And I think that's an important lesson to learn for, for athletes growing up everywhere. It's like, be that guy when you have to be that guy.
1: Yeah, that was something that was really interesting that they brought up in the documentary, like MJ's personality and how he got the most out of his teammates. And obviously, given the fact that he won so much, people are going to follow him and it's okay to to act like that. But I don't know, did you have any thoughts on, on kind of that aspect of the documentary when they talked about like MJ's personality and how he was able to get the most out of his teammates?
0: I think uh, when you are a... An athlete like that and you see what your teammates are doing like I think one of the the more interesting aspects of it all is you know, just like seeing what everybody else did around him um, and then seeing how he decided to go about things it's like I know th- th- there was a game at some point where Dennis Rodman got thrown out just a random regular season game and Jordan got so pissed off at Rodman um, but he decided to uh, he decided to make it Sound like he they were the only two on that court. They were the only two players that existed, and while that's interesting, it really depends on how your locker room is. At one point, some people would look at that and be like, "Wow, that's like a cancerous thing to say," and other people would say, "Wow, like he he really wanted to get the most out of out of his teammates by telling them, you know, they're not doing good enough. They're not they're not performing," and I think it really comes down to knowing knowing the climate, knowing your knowing the room. I think that that is that's the perfect phrase, is knowing the room. And it's like Jordan. You may not be able to do that elsewhere, but in the era, in the time period, I think you would be considered soft if you didn't act like that. If you didn't, there's a an overreaching goal is to win. The whole goal of the game is to win as much as possible. And I think Jordan put himself in a position and put his teammates in a position, whether that be on the court, mentally, uh, physically, emotionally, uh, to win. And, you know, maybe some people will say, you know, he didn't have to do all that and didn't have to be such a i don't know like like a personality but i do believe that him his ruthlessness as a human being uh does a lot to show the team that they needed the toughness like they needed toughness to win not only on the court but in life
1: yeah no doubt and i think something that i found interesting that i would say i found out big time in this documentary was like mj yeah, he became this unbelievable great athlete, but it wasn't without like overcoming a lot of adversity, obviously. like He couldn't beat the Pistons, and even going back like North Carolina in high school when he got cut from his high school basketball team. So it's not like he was always this unbelievably, incredibly dominant athlete. It was as he built that up and with the Bulls, uh, once he after started winning those championships, he was even harder on his teammates because, he know, that's what took out of him to to be the best was that, like, determination to consistently strive to keep getting better every single day. So that's something that I noticed because it's not like they were showing clips from, like, 80s Jordan or, like, rookie year Michael Jordan where he's go- going into his teammates yelling all that. It's He's yelling at Scott Burrell in 1998, his last year. So I think that's kind of just something that came with MJ as he became greater necessarily than him like he's genuinely like a bad person and he's like making fun of people I think it really was because he wanted to get the most out of people so I would say I respect that and I saw it grow in MJ throughout like the course of his career
0: yeah well I think what we've learned over time the majority of athletes that end up being just that incredible at the sport you know it's like Kobe Bryant uh, LeBron James guys like that they are equally it, they have that fire inside of them that's gonna come out at some point. When things are not going well, you have to be able to, um, you just just let it all out to your teammates, and your teammates know that there's no. It's not. It's like tough love. It's not um him being emotional and saying, "Oh, you guys, you guys actually blow." It's it's telling them, "Oh, this is what we have to do. This is this is how we get to the ultimate uh ending point to where we're we're champions and everybody else loses." It's like if you want to be a winner, you have to follow by followed by his lead he led by example like this is the guy that is the most talented player we've ever seen and a guy that absolutely changed the sport forever and will forever change the sport it's like we we don't see um you know I I think tough love is like necessary to to be a winning team it's like when things are not going well you have to be able to tell your teammates oh you're not doing well you need to figure it out we need to figure this out as a team here and if if that comes out of him insulting everybody, so be it. Like, you know, if Michael Jordan's insulting you, obviously you need to be better. Because I think he is as close to perfection as we've seen in the sport. Uh, in recent years, maybe ever. So, um, if a guy like that's telling you, oh, you're not playing well, or oh, you you're uh you're letting the team down, he's probably right. Honestly, it's like he's not going to scapegoat random people. He's going to take the brunt of the blame himself if they end up losing games.
1: Yeah, no question. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really good documentary. Definitely going to miss uh, Sunday nights now without having it on. But um, before we move on to some of the other sports news, did you have any other main takeaways from uh, the documentary, Donnie, you want to touch on?
0: I, w- I just hope to see somebody else um, be put in a similar line. You know, it's like I-, I wouldn't complain if there was a Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or even going to other sports. It's like a a discussion of like Tom Brady's career or somebody like that. I think that would be fantastic. And I think you know, this proves that anybody that they can make documentaries on any any of the massive, you know, polarizing figures in sports, and it's gonna do well because I mean, it's like literally the last as was anything anybody was talking about on Twitter, on social media, and it was trending the entire time uh, even before the new episodes came on. People were talking about, oh, I'm so I'm so fired up, like I can't be more excited for today. And I think th- this this shows how this whole this whole idea can work. And I mean, it's like, we can go over so many different events, so many different stories that we can see a, a longer than just a 30, 30 for 30 or something like that. We can see a multi-part documentary. It's like, how excited would you be if, if they did a documentary on the Chicago Blackhawks and their dynasty over the last 10, 15 years or so? Like, how incredible would that be for you?
1: Oh, man, that would be awesome. I mean, especially now that it's kind of on the back end of that Blackhawks dynasty and uh, some pieces are starting to move on. Obviously, they just fired their team president. So to see, like, how the, all the power kind of like was allocated. I think that's really interesting too. That was kind of a dynamic with the Bulls team. Like Jerry Krause versus Michael Jordan versus Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, versus Phil Jackson, the coach. Like there was kind of all those dynamics. So that would be really cool to see with the Bulls. There was a tweet I saw after this documentary ended that was like, if there was another documentary of this that you could pick for any athlete ever like who would you pick? My first thought was Muhammad Ali, just because I feel like anytime you hear anything about Muhammad Ali is just how unbelievably great of a boxer it was. So to see what he was doing behind the scenes and before and after uh, some of his matches, I think that would be really cool. You mentioned a few athletes, Donnie. Is there anyone for you that you would answer that question with if we could get a full 10 part series on, on their greatness? I know you mentioned the Patriots. I think that would be an interesting one.
0: Yeah, well, touching back on Muhammad Ali, he was not only a talented athlete, he was a he spoke out he was massive for the civil rights movement uh, for African Americans that was around his uh his era um so to see that to see a greater light on what he did because uh everybody knows that he he refused to be drafted in the military because of the Vietnam War and all that um you, you know he has such an interesting life it's such an interesting background story that it'd be more than just boxing um I think selfishly I'd probably pick Kobe Bryant because I feel like he is a Kobe Bryant's nearly as polarizing a figure as Jordan was. Um, I think Jordan is the better player, uh, e- even with the bias. Obviously, I'm going to say Jordan's the better player. Um, but I believe looking into Kobe, especially with how things have gone recently and, you know, obviously is untimely a, a tragic death. Um, I think they could put together something that would just be nearly as incredible on Kobe Bryant because he had such an interesting uh, just rise to power in, in L.A. It's like, you know um he gets traded on draft day uh a lot of animosity with Shaq along uh, throughout his career uh Dwight Howard incidents it's like you could go through so many different little things and just make something massive out of it I think
1: yeah I agree I think Kobe's career path kind of it it is different than Jordan's because Jordan kind of he went through his struggle as, as a young player getting through Boston and Detroit and then he became so dominant where he won pretty much every time he made the playoffs after that but Kobe it was he won early and then had some years where the Lakers you know weren't as much of a threat and then he came back again at the end of his career to to win more championships and keep doing that so i think that would be kind of interesting to see um just kind of like that different dynamic of a career path
0: yeah it's just i i think this proves that documentaries can work um and honestly if they did like a if they did a Sunday night documentary every week, all year, I think people would really tune in and, and learn a lot. Cause uh, I think, especially if they looked into s- some specific things, like I know there is going to be a uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa documentary uh, on 30 for 30 coming up within a couple of weeks. It's like that, that will teach a lot of people about things that they just didn't know, especially like the, uh, our generation, the people that are, that are in their late teens, early twenties right now, could, could learn a significant amount about how, what was happening just before they were born or, or the early, the, the early days when, you know, it's like, I don't really remember sports when I was a toddler. Like, it's just, it's not going to be, there's not going to be uh, that type of, you know, connection there. But I think they could go into a lot of the interesting aspects of sports that have just, that have forged it to the point where it is now. It's like, everybody's bored without sports. Now sports uh, as a whole have taken over uh, many worlds and people are very reliant on these things. I think, in general, this just proves that a documentary can not only work, but can work really well. can can absolutely bring out something that we just didn't think that it could possibly do.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I saw today, even, that... I think there's going to be a documentary coming out kind of on like the Astros cheating scandal from from this past year. So I think that's really interesting, too, if they're going to go into these documentaries with, uh, obviously, you mentioned the the steroid era kind of one comes out uh, in a few weeks for ESPN. But if there's like an Astros cheating scandal, I know that's super interesting. I saw today even like Alex Bregman changed his agency because I think it's like LeBron James with Uninterrupted is who's releasing this Astros cheating documentary that they're just going to start. Uh, putting together so Alex Bregman who was affiliated with that ownership group he decided to change agents because like he obviously the Astros players are not thrilled that they're going to be you know blowing up kind of their cheating scandal even more for like a documentary series so uh, I don't know if you saw that Donnie but like that seems really interesting to me if uh to see here when that comes out
0: I did and I think uh it's probably going to piss me off when anything because they did cheat against the Dodgers and I just I'm curious to see how exactly it all happened. And I'm sure if you pay enough money, you can figure out exactly how everything did happen. I think things will come out that we didn't know and that the MLB didn't know and all and all that that will um, I think more than anything make make the MLB now look bad because I think people are pretty much sitting there like how did how does nobody get in trouble for anything that they did uh, through the entirety of what happened. Um but, yeah, it's like I just think in general, you know, the 30 for 30 idea was fantastic. And a lot of these are award winning documentaries that will be just in- incredible for the, uh, the history of sports in general. It's like being able to go back and look at all this good footage because like the 30 for 30s are so well done. And, and the, the footage is just incredible that they find. Um, I think if, if there's a continued, you know, like. If, if there's an emphasis on documentaries like this on different uh, aspects of, of major sports culture it's like michael jordan is uh, as they shoot there were a couple times within the documentary where they showed how you go around the world and he is a a god figure it's like at one point they said it's like it's like pope and god type uh um type event there and when you get to the point where it's like there's more than just michael jordan it's like you you can go across the world. It's like a documentary on, on Ichiro, for example, uh, and his impact in Asia. It's like imagine th- there's there's so many people uh, across the world who who loved Ichiro, but it's like in in Asia, I don't know how well how easy it is to keep up with the MLB. It's like probably four in the morning, three in the morning when all games are on, and I can guarantee you that there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that stayed up to watch every Mariners game to watch Ichiro play at three or four in the morning. Um, it's just it, sports are. International sports have no boundaries, and sports are uh, a way to shape our culture. And I think we we could definitely see just so much incredible stuff. It's like the the Astros cheating scandal, for example, is going to rock the world if they do it well. And it's like people who, who watch baseball are going to sit there like, "What what the hell just happened? Like, how is this real?"
1: Yeah, and I think with the Astros cheating scandal, I just think back like. Everything just seemed to be handled so poorly. I mean, the like Carlos Correa getting interviewed like months after it happened, and he's like trying to back up Jose Altuve like for the jersey stuff. Like, I just feel like it was so bizarre like how all of it came out, and even just other things I've heard about it since. Like, I saw an interview with CC Sabathia, and he was talking about obviously because the Yankees were playing against the Astros so much in uh, the years when they were cheating, and he said he felt like anytime the Yankees went to Houston, it's just they already had no chance. Like, this is a starting pitcher on the team that they're playing against, who's the second best team in the AL, and he's going in there saying, yeah, we like knew we didn't have a chance to win in Houston just because whatever they were doing was so far advanced. Obviously, we found out later it's cheating. So that's really interesting. And then going back to what you were saying about like Ichiro and how they could do other documentary series, I think even that concept could even be used now. Like when you're looking at, what could documentary series, what would they be wanting to film now? I mean, Shohei Otani is another example of of a big time baseball player who's really big, uh, obviously in Asia. So um, it would be interesting to see if they kind of like follow the Angels or follow Shohei Otani. Maybe we get, um, maybe not necessarily a documentary series, but more like live behind the scenes content of stuff that goes on when these sports do resume. So I think this it definitely could be like a really big, you know, thing for sports in general, just to cover that behind the scenes content. Cause that's really what fans are really looking for.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like as sports fans in general, I think we're all just hoping to get it. We, we want an extra peek in the locker room or, you know, behind the scenes just to see what happens, just to see how these people are. And humanizing athletes is a, a very, very good idea. I think it's like seeing um, the background of things. I know there there was a time in the Jordan documentary where they went to Tony Kukoc and they were talking about how that uh, that whole uh, scenario with him signing a contract and Pippen waiting for his contract. Um, it was very interesting to see just this, the background information and how they felt about these things because it's like I didn't really know much about the situation, but I understand both sides of of the – I understand both parties. Like I understand how, how both of them felt, and it's a really interesting – just these little twists and turns that nobody talks about could end up have – like they could have been massive in, in the entire uh, grand scheme of things. Like imagine Scottie Pippen just, just says, oh, I want off. I'm, I'm out of here like that could have changed the whole dynamic of, of everything that happened a little bit earlier than normal.
1: Yeah, no question. All right. I think we kind of touched on a lot of what we wanted to with last dance. I think we can move over to, um, I mean, there's not a ton of news going on with the with the leagues in terms of actual tangible things, but we have gotten a little bit more developments for both the NHL and the MLB. So uh, we can touch on that a little bit. NHL, obviously, what they've been talking about is a 2014 playoff, so that would allow Chicago and Montreal to get in. Obviously, that favors the league office wanting those two big market teams in, but um, that kind of seems to be going forward a little bit. Obviously, there's still a lot of things to go on in between that with when it comes to how m- when our players going to get their last paychecks for the year and. All that, but uh, did you have any thoughts on anything that's come out recently for the NHL, Downey? Well,
0: uh, interestingly enough, you know the Rangers would end up playing in in the first round of this twenty fourteen playoff. Uh, I think the the um, I think the bracket said that they would end up facing the, the Maple Leafs, which would just be an incredibly strange series and, and a, just a wild turn. Um, I, I am a little bit more skeptical on this. I feel like um, the less games they have to play, the better at this point. Uh, that's, that's kind of where I've went through. It's like everything is going to be scrutinized to death. This is going to be talked about over and over and over. And any mistake that is made, you know, somebody gets coronavirus, and the league has to shut, up, shut down again. Then we get back to the point where it's like, oh, what did they do wrong? How did we get to this point? Um, I think there's going to be some some major problems getting players back to want to finish the season in general. It's like you're going to have a tough time convincing everybody to play. Yeah. Um, Especially, I feel like there are teams that know that they don't have a shot that they won't be able to make it. Period. Uh, they won't be able to win. It's like giving them a chance is nice, but like you know, if you've had such a shitty season, and your your team gets to the point where it's like you have you have nothing. Um, what's your will to come back and risk yourself playing so you can get what's swept or, or you get get your ass kicked? Um, I don't know. They're obviously not going to cancel the seasons, and we're still waiting on everything to, to move back um, to normal. We still haven't heard anything about the draft uh, in the NHL, You know, NBA. We're still waiting on all that. But I've just come to the conclusion that I really have no idea what's going on. Nobody has any idea what's going on. And even the people that are voting on things, there's so many hurdles they're going to have to get over that this is not going to be as soon as I had hoped. I remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I thought you know, like mid to late June was the sweet spot. And I feel like it, it's becoming – increasingly more real that it, it, the late late June is like the earliest they could possibly do anything here and that, that's kind of upsetting because you know it's like we've been waiting for a while but I understand how it works with uh obviously the virus is still uh, has not hit its peak in, in the USA in the majority of places so it's like we're still kind of waiting on that um and yeah it's like I, I just think the whole proposal you can make a proposal you can get everybody to agree but getting the players to agree is going to be just a whole different hurdle that we're just not prepared for at this point
1: Yeah, I think you said it. We're just kind of waiting on a lot of news, so I don't want to dwell on this too much. But I will just say quickly NHL draft, they haven't officially moved it back yet because it's still scheduled, I think, for uh, like late June, mid June, whatever it was. It's going to get moved back. Like, there's no way they're going to have a draft before this season concludes. Like there's, I just don't see a reasonable way they could do that because they have the issue with the draft lottery and how are you going to determine a draft order if you haven't determined who wins the Stanley cup. So I fully expect the draft to get moved back, but that hasn't been made official yet. But um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that, but um Yeah, not too much more else for the NHL. MLB-wise, they came out with some news that they officially prepared a document of all the measures that they could take for... Uh, car games to come back, but it just seemed incredibly unrealistic. In my opinion, there was things like no spitting, no high fives. They're gonna have social distancing because everybody who's not on the field, instead of being in the dugout, they're gonna be in the stands and they're gonna be spaced out in the stands. Like, um, I guess we can move on a little bit now. I put out on my Twitter for questions from you guys, suggestions. So I got two questions here that I got that we can bring up here. So first one's related to MLB, Donnie. I'm gonna I'm gonna I am going to i am going i do not even know if you've read this. I don't think so. So this one's from at Colton Spore, one of my buddies from Iowa he says dark horse candidates for cy young and mvp when baseball comes back to um, you
0: cy young i'll go with walker bueller i, I knew walker you were gonna bueller say walker here.
1: bueller i knew it
0: i think i i mean it's it's fair i don't think anybody's really talking about him as being like a top five pitcher in baseball which i think in reality with with how his house his career trajectory has been so far and just seeing the type of skill set he has it's like we could see him absolutely turn into a a superstar pitcher now. It's like last year he had a three two ERA. I think um I'm I believe he was like fifteen and 4, 14 and four last year. And it's like on a Dodger team um that that will be probably the best in the NL. I think that they're they're head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of a, a roster build. Um, whenever the MLB does come back, I think Walker Bueller is a great choice there. Uh, MVP is a little bit more difficult, considering I uh, again have had no no preparation for this. But as <laughs> guy. got, what, um, tell
1: me your baseball knowledge. Let's go.
0: I, I I don't thinking about it here. I'm gonna go off the board just slightly here. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go.
1: Yeah, it's Dark Horse candidates. We're good.
0: You know, we'll go with Josh Donaldson. How's that sound? Wow, I a feel like a career
1: resurrection uh, for Josh Donaldson.
0: It depends how the team is built, uh, how the lineup is built around him, but he has found himself in a great situation in. Uh, Minnesota. I don't know if you were you were uh, aware of, of his. Um, oh yeah, the Minnesota Twins always signing. go after
1: it's... those old guys. who can just hit bombs. Way, way so. back
0: when, way back when, uh, in January, I think he signed, and everybody was like, you know, back to normal. But it's like, I think the Twins could potentially have the most potent lineup in the AL this year. I think that that's that's, that's a stretch potentially, but it's like when you come down to it, and you give them. The, you actually look at who they've got. Mitch Garver's a fantastic catcher. They're going to have a, a mixture of Sanoa and Gonzalez at first uh, with Marwin. Um, and then you've got Josh Donaldson. Uh, their outfield is incredible. It's like you're throwing Eddie, Eddie Rosario out there with Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, uh, all, all these different guys. Nelson Cruz is in the lineup. They could have a lineup that rakes just like last year. It's like everybody slept on the Twins last year and their offense ended up just being absolutely potent all the time. And, you know, at this point, Josh Donaldson has the least pressure he's ever had in his career, I think, to be good. I think the Twins are consistently known as an underdog and just not really, like, you know, not really out there. I think people do sleep on the Twins in general. Uh, And it's not like Donaldson's coming off a bad year. I'm pretty sure he almost did 40 homers last year. So it's like, uh, so so his actual stats last year, uh, he had 37 homers uh, and he ended up with 94 RBIs, uh, playing 155 games. Uh, I I don't see why he couldn't end up putting up a a career-esque year that he had. It's like he's only going to be 34. Um, I don't know. I'll go with Josh Donaldson because I think the Twins are a very underrated roster, and he's going to have a lot of guys on base for him this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on those two ends?
1: Yeah, I like it. I think that's a good Donaldson pick. Honestly, my first thought for Dark Horse MVP candidate, I'm thinking Glaber Torres. I think the Yankees are going to— Absolutely pop off in the AL this year with Houston going down a little bit after uh, natural regression from your cheating scandal. Red Sox, same thing. They lose their manager. Um, so I, I just thought that the Yankees would really pop off this year. So I'm going to go with Glaber Torres. I think he's um, really just an emerging superstar and really just seems to keep getting better and better and also provides uh, pretty good defensive ability uh, in the middle infield for the Yankees. So I'll go with Glaber Torres. And then, honestly, my first thought for Dark Horse Cy Young, Another team, I, I kind of how I like to think of it is which teams do I think are going to pop off and then who are some young guys on those teams that could do well. So actually a team that I think is going to have a stronger season this year is the Cincinnati Reds. I think the Central Division is pretty wide open in the NL, and I really like Luis Castillo uh, on the Reds in the, for him as a starting pitcher. So um, I can see him taking some strides up. But obviously when you're talking about Cy Young in the NL, it, it's pretty much always either the Grom or Scherzer. So um that's probably what it would end up being, but in terms of a dark horse candidate, I think Luis Castillo could take some steps up.
0: Yeah, realistically, in the end, you can't really go wrong with picking a dark horse, considering I think Scherzer and DeGrom have won the last four. I think I think Arrieta was the last one to break that stride, and then Kershaw was the one dominating before that. But I will
1: um, say 2016 should have been Kyle Hendricks, you know, no big deal. It was Max Scherzer, but Kyle Hendricks should have won Cy like there. Still not over yeah, We we
0: do, we do understand how you feel about that, and that's never going to change. His I mean, ERA, ERA was like, just
1: over two, and we decided to give it to Max Scherzer again, you know.
0: That's fine. Yeah, because his name is because it's Max Scherzer. John yeah, Lester was a it.
1: finalist too. John Lester had a really good year that year as well, but it should have been Hendrix I young. Uh,
0: I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take a look at the voting just just to see here. Let's see. It was close. Uh, I know it, it was
1: Scherzer one, and then it was it was Hendricks two, Lester three. Oh, Scherzer. I'm pretty sure
0: Scherzer got 25 first place votes. Lester got one. Hendricks got two. Bumgarner got zero. Yeah, like what's that? Got two. What that is that? The
1: there was five. so much unreal. Like there was, I feel like the media was so anti Cubs because every All Star voting was all Cubs in 2016. So then, Man, you, they, all the all the media was like, like "No, not really the Cubs. Care.
0: They cared so much about wins that season. It's like I, I'm just looking back at it in in terms of you know, it's like ERAs. Lester had a two four. Hendricks had a two one. Yeah, two one. He, like he had a
1: two one ERA. Kershaw was and didn't fifth. Win. What is Kershaw that? Kershaw was fifth with a one
0: six nine. I I think he he made Yeah, he, he was
1: hurt he, that year. That's why he, he had Kershaw a one six
0: nine. Uh, I mean, yeah, he ended up throwing 21 games uh, instead of the, the usual yeah. 30 or he so. Was, he so was definitely happens. on
1: pace to win it before uh, before he got hurt.
0: Yeah, that's, that's tough. But, man, that's crazy to see that Scherzer took 25 first-place votes, especially with Hendricks at 2-1, 16-8. If they care that much about the wins, the extra four wins oh, that, no. Scherzer no. that Scherzer got. The good because, thing DeGrom I, won it last I, I year, know. man.
1: It's about time that the, the MLB writers decided that maybe, actually, ERA is more important than wins because you have more control over that as a pitcher. So, good on them, but yeah, they were bad. wrong in 2016.
0: The, the fact that he's won Cy Young with 11 and 10 wins the last two years is kind of incredible but that's that's okay we'll, we'll go with I, I'm, I'm totally in favor I think DeGrom's the Gom's best pitcher in baseball by a, a significant amount it's not even close right now so yeah
1: okay and then okay I'll give you a Dark Horse candidate in the AL2 for Cy Young this guy I really like a lot and I know I just kind of dogged on the Astros but I really like Lance McCullers actually I think he's got just absolutely nasty stuff and was really really dealing a few years ago for the Astros so I don't know how much of their cheating scandal really impacted their like pitching staff but it seems like anytime the Astros got a pitcher they just immediately start getting way better like they were throwing Wade Miley in games and he was pitching unreal so whatever they're doing it was working probably cheating but you never know I guess but I like I think Lance McCullers is pretty good and he's coming back next year
0: yeah I do believe the pitching uh was not really affected by all I don't know
1: though I mean you really you really can't rule it out though I guess we'll see in the documentary then
0: yeah sure I just I don't know how you would cheat um I don't I don't know what you would do to and yeah, that's I what I'm saying. The, like, you just, just
1: become a better pitcher. Maybe, maybe it's PEDs. Maybe it's just straight up.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you never know. You really never know. Yeah, I really,
1: I re- also really can't rule it out. Like, this is still such very new news of the Astros cheating, like relatively speaking. So, it definitely could be PEDs.
0: Yeah, we're still just we're hanging out. Yeah. Uh, did you have another question?
1: Yeah, actually, I had one more question from our guy, SBR, at Sean underscore B underscore Ryan on Twitter. I don't even understand what he's thinking here, but it's a top five ACL tears. And actually, as soon as I read this, I was like, wow, I can't believe you asked that, obviously. But then two of them initially came in mind. I don't have a full top five, but I guess we can just talk about a few of them. The first one that stands out to me is definitely Sean Livingston. I mean, that one was insane. Like... I, I obviously i'm not going to describe injuries too much i guess but if you want to look at go back yeah, and look at the videos you did. i know exactly what the <laughs> sean exactly livingston one's crazy and then i'm going to throw out the carson ones too because he threw a touchdown after tearing his acl so there you go and he also should have won mvp that year yeah um 2017
0: yeah I, sure well, we'll I'll, I'll disagree to, I'll, I'll agree to disagree with that one because uh
1: I, I also defend that Derek Carr should have won MVP in 2016. So I'm just going over every vote that's happened that I was not a fan of. I guess that's what we're doing right now.
0: Sure. I mean, I'm fine with it. Uh, I don't know. Just to think about in general, how many careers have been derailed from these major, like...
1: You said like, ACL, because Joe Theismann, was Joe Theismann ACL, or was that just, like, his entire leg? <laughs> I can't
0: I can't remember exactly, but yeah, he probably he just... I think Joe Theismann, yeah, like, we can grow in the top five. Everything fell apart for him. Um... I, I know Kobe had an Achilles tendon injury. That one, that one made me. Yeah. Cry. And then he made free throws. So there
1: we go. Then we're including once and, and Kobe.
0: Yeah. You know, that, that Kobe injury was like some of the most, I don't know, just, 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 just maybe shocking things that I've ever seen because it was just at the point in the season where it was, is was, was April. They were getting ready to, to get going. Like, you know, the, the season's going on and all that. And obviously it's late in his career. So that, that kind of took everything apart. Um, I, do you remember, was Derrick Rose an ACL injury? Oh, yeah. D-Rose was, D Rose was ACL. ACL and MCL yeah, and
1: meniscus. It was like all of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was just, yeah. I wasn't sure if he had the whole shebang there or not. But, yeah. I'll take D-Rose. Um, I'm
1: literally looking at a fathead of Derrick Rose right now in my room. So, there you go. That's, really? I'll accept that choice.
0: Yeah, so uh, Derrick Rose is a good one. I think th- there's a couple interesting ones we've seen in basketball. I think um, I think Russell Westbrook had it, and I don't know if it was an ACL. I thought Westbrook I remember, was but,
1: meniscus. Uh, I feel like for some reason I'm thinking about Okay,
0: okay that because that, uh, it's crazy to see regardless of what it was the fact that he came back totally normal like like with more bounce than he had at first it's like the guy was as you see now still he's like a stat stuffing machine obviously it's like he's had issues winning games but Russell Westbrook's uh, health has not been nearly as i I think people at the time were talking like what happens to him do you end up falling apart like i I don't know what happens there it's like but yeah I, I, we've seen so we've seen some, like, nutty injuries. It's like, even last year in baseball with Andrew McCutcheon, it's like he was having such a good year, and he's such a good guy. Seeing a guy like that who has come back from a lot, and, and obviously, like, he was in Pittsburgh just wasting away. He had some fantastic years. He was one of the best players in baseball for, for multiple years. And to see just what happened there after just starting off the year so well, hit, hitting the ball really well. Um, really was, it was a clutch piece of the Phillies roster for, for the majority of the, the first half of last year. And then it just like these little things that get in the way of, of players, you know, really showing what, what they can do. Cause it's like, I think people sleep on Kutch so incredibly, uh, just, he had, uh, I know this at one point because living in Pittsburgh, uh, Kutch was all that people talked about because Pittsburgh sports have not been great. Um. When when hockey's not on anymore, but he had four seasons in a row where he had forty percent OBB. He had a higher OBB, four hundred or higher, um, which is like so hard to do in a lineup that sucks. A lineup around you that you have no talent, very very little talent, very very um, mediocre rosters that would end up losing wild card games and then and booing Quato and all that. It's like, I think Andrew McCutchen resonates to me the most because he's a good guy who just wants to win, wants to play so much, and you could see and even the interviews afterwards were so devastating just to see him upset and sitting there like, man, I really thought this was it. I thought this was the year where I could really do something and we could really make a run.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I like my question as well. And thanks for bringing up the wildcard game losses because always thinking about that game. I remember Kyle Schwarber hitting a ball to the Allegheny for (laughs) wildcard in 2015. So there you go. You brought back a good memory for me. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean uh – the, the the pirates are known well as being a, a team that cannot win. uh they don't they don't do it in, in the playoffs, and uh, we saw that against the Giants where they got they got absolutely just massacred by the Giants in terms of pitching. I think that that Cubs year too. I think they got destroyed. I think that was an Arietta game. I could be wrong. Yep. Um, I, I seem to remember that being Arietta versus Cole, and just. Uh, that was the same that night that the Blackhawks
1: had the opener against the Rangers too. Panarin scored the opener, so that's, that's right. Chicago that's sports day right. right there.
0: Yeah, huge for them. Um, but yeah, it's like those Pirates. I don't understand how you're a, you're a Pirates fan and you still support the team at this point. Uh, if there are any Pirates fans that listen this deep into the podcast, I think unlikely. Um, I really, I I'll pray for you honestly because it's like we're at the point where Pittsburgh sports. Uh, they have some very very passionate fans, and the Pirates have dealt with. If Pirates fans have dealt with so much crap, so much mediocrity, and so much bad management. It's like, at this point, you look at the Pirates roster, it's like, it's so poor. It's just such such an average, crappy, like, just full of mediocrity team. It's like I feel so bad for Pirates fans, especially because, like, they see so much success with the Steelers and the Penguins, and then you get to baseball season, it's like, oh, you know exactly what's going to happen. Like, the season's over before it starts.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, I mean, I don't have too much more to add. Uh, good questions, obviously. Thank you for submitting those on Twitter, Colton and Sean. Obviously, you guys can obviously do that. We'll uh, tweet out next time we're recording for uh, suggestions there. Follow my Twitter at RoadKill83. Follow Donnie's Twitter at Donnie on the Horn and our podcast Twitter at Roth Podcast. So uh, definitely be sure to do that. But obviously, Donnie, do you want to say anything to our loyal listeners, especially uh, Shaq West? Yeah, Um, Shaq, if you have a question for
0: the podcast and you want to put it in a, in a mailbag episode or if you want to come on a mailbag episode and just answer questions about sports or or whatever you want to. Yeah, we can talk about top
1: five Um, ACL tears with Shaq West. How about that?
0: Yeah, I'm sure Shaq West has some ideas. It's like uh, you got to think that Shaq West, you know, big fan of sports in general, big fan of basketball. Maybe you could talk about Kevin Durant, uh, you know, the recovery, the return, um, would not complain there. But it's like, yeah, I think think we should do a mailbag episode at some point um, soon. I think that would be important, especially with how, you know, sports are – just shaping up to be right now. It's like they're showing Game Six of the the Rangers Cardinals World Series on ESPN right now. I'm watching it as we speak. Back at the wall, and it's off the wall. That, back at the wall, it's off the wall. Oh, this this is this Nelson is this. Cruz yeah, forgot how to like, play
1: right field. David Freeze hit a triple, and
0: and and then he, and then now he just sits at, at DHs for a living. And it's you know, he just hit bombs.
1: He's like, you know what? I've had enough with right field. I'll stand
0: at the plate. Yeah, you know the. They're showing uh, on third right now is Adrian Beltry on first is Josh Hamilton so two two big names that uh, you know yeah speaking of BEDs, many, maybe Josh
1: Donaldson maybe yeah, Josh yeah. Hamilton will be in the Astros cheating scandal maybe he was the mastermind
0: <laughs> I, I mean would I be at this point with everything that's come out I wouldn't can't just rule it out that really can't that, rule it out I'm just kidding. I'm just sitting here like well, I don't know what's going on anymore I'm 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 at a point where nobody has any idea what's going on with literally anything anywhere at all like period so um. But yes, thank you all for listening this deep. We got a little, little further along in the podcast than I thought of it would. I didn't think it would last us long. I know. You know, Two good
1: questions. Back. We actually like talked about sports. Good that questions. was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the mailbag questions. I do think, uh, you know, I, moving forward, we could do a mailbag episode very easily, and it would end up being one of our better, our better episodes. So, if anybody listening still has some questions, um, feel free to submit them wherever you want to. It's uh, any of our twitters. Uh, I'll say it one more time: Donnie on the horn. I wrote to three or Roth podcast. That's R O T H podcast. Literally, just send us notifications and, and we will check them. It's like, I am on Twitter all the time. Ryan's on Twitter even more than I am I'm on Twitter well, right I'm, now. I'm How about neck. that? Yeah. So if you have questions for us to answer any, literally anything, obviously we're going to weed through the ones that are not, um, appropriate, but we will answer. Just I mean, everything. yeah, so I we just we, talked
1: about top five ACL tears. It really doesn't matter. We'll talk about whatever.
0: Yeah, no, no. You'd have to go. You'd have to re- really dig deep in the bag to find something that isn't appropriate for what we're going with here. Honestly, so um, it's like a lot. Last week, you're talking about a f- fake social media death. This week, we're on ACL tears. <laughs> <the next laughs> it's,
1: it's, we're but really it's, going downhill because sports are not on. If you can't tell, it's it's a
0: stretch. But you know, sometimes you have to stretch to get good content, and this is what we're doing. You know, it's, if we we're gonna end up having a fifty fifty plus minute podcast here. And I I think the majority of it has been good quality, which is which is just surprising considering the content that we are talking about is, um, not necessarily there. Wow, what a huge double play by the Cardinals there! Massive first and third, one out, and they got out of it. What a, what a play! What a game! Who was it? Um, what,
1: Colton Wong's probably playing second now. Uh,
0: I think it was David Free's turn. It was a David Free's okay, so turn. So five four three third. Uh, absolutely, yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you all for listening as per usual. Uh, feel free to. Uh, give us constructive criticism send us questions whatever you want to do on twitter we appreciate it and we appreciate you listening this deep into it uh ryan do you have any final words here
1: no literally that's it i mean this is like the longest outro ever so you even found out about a david yeah. freeze <laughs> double play so there you go if you listen this much obviously respect to you for finding that out so we will uh talk to you guys soon and uh thank you guys for listening
0: yeah thank you very much peace
1: 7-7.